Hey, my fellow Gen CEOs, welcome back to episode number five. Today, we have a special guest, Amber Lewis, better known as Social in the City, aka the Detroit Gym. <laughs> How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. How has the quarantine been treating you? Honestly, I've been enjoying being at home. Really? I haven't been working. So I've just been resting and like doing a lot of things that I need to do for me and for my space. So I've, I've honestly enjoyed it. Okay. So what has that, what has that looked like? What does that involve when doing things for yourself? Um, so for me, it's like extending enough grace to myself to be okay with doing nothing. I think mm. with me being, I like to say like a recovering workaholic, I'm just so used to <laughs> always being on the go, always doing a million things and having a million things to do. Um, and oftentimes when I'm in that go mode and that grind mode, like so many people in the city are, I'm not taking enough time for myself. I remember like looking back, like I will only give myself two days a month. Like this Saturday, I'm not working this Sunday I'm not working and it's like two out of 30 or 31 days crazy are for you and you know I still did things for myself like during the day in my in my daily routine but it just I just wasn't dedicating enough time to myself so it looks like taking a nap every day you know? <laughs> it looks like taking um time to like spend more time journaling and like spend more time with my therapist and decluttering it looks like spending more time talking to my loved ones, um, all things that I set as goals for myself and things that I wanted to do, but now I have the opportunity to do it. So do you feel like um, making those goals, do you feel like because you've done them every day now that they've become, you know, just a way of life back to normal? Um, Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I did start back doing some work this week and I had planned to like do two workouts one day, but I worked through my second one because I'm like, I'm in the groove. Like once you get in the groove, like you in the groove. So it's like, mm-hmm. and I felt a little guilty about it at first because I'm like, dang, I done worked through something. This is my first week out, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also understanding like what the groove is and like, are you going to be able to get back into that mind state after you decide to defer to something else? Probably not. Um, but I did work out that day. So it was like, I still did what I, what I set to do for myself. No, that's really important that you said that because I have those moments where significant other or anyone could be calling or asking mm-hmm. for my attention. I'm like, no, this is my tunnel vision time. Let me just get this done because if I get out of this groove and I do something else, it's not going to get done. So let me yep. just do it now and we'll get back to it. Um, mm-hmm. but I know we fast forward a little bit and we just jumped right in, um, but so for you, you know, what are uh, the business entities that you are currently involved in? So ooh, um, <laughs> I have my own company called Social in the City, um, and it's pretty much a multi-creative personal brand where I do work as an influencer, a brand model, a music curator known as the Playlist Princess. Um, I also on the back end do creative strategy, social strategy and rollout plans um I do poetry I literally you sing right I sing yeah (laughs) I haven't uh formally put out any music but I love to sing um and I'm trained as a singer but um I really just had the vision of my life being being able to show up how I feel and being paid for it so social in the city is a gateway for for those things um I'm also the media manager for Bumble, the app, and it's a, a social app that has three modes, Bumble Date, if you into that, Bumble Biz for networking, and Bumble BFF for making friends. And in that role, I am on the other side of influencer marketing, where I hire influencers and oversee that program and those deliverables and those metrics, as well as pitch stories to press. So when do you have time for yourself for real? <laughs> um... Yeah. It's bag, okay. It's getting yeah. to it. That's just my other things. That's what we're talking about. No, it's, <laughs> and then it's I so have true. one more. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I also have a company called Black Women Do Social, 
um, for black women who do work in the digital and social media spaces. And I was going to ask you about uh, the black women do social. Um, What inspired you to create that community? Yeah. um, It was a lot of like who I am and the work that I do as a social person for the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I actually, it was really organic. I posted a picture on Instagram and the social girl, Bianca from VH1, um, and then the social girl, Jessica from the Lip Bar, both commented on my picture at the same time. So I'm like, dang, I'm gonna start, uh, you know, an Instagram group with us. And I was like, hey, y'all, like, I hope you don't mind, but I just wanted to connect us as, you know, we're Black women who do work in social media. And then I was like, I'm gonna add some other women who I know, and, and they added people that they know. And it really grew and everybody was like, you know, I'm so happy that we have this community. So I put a tweet out about it and literally so many people were like, how do I sign up? How can I become a part? And I'm like, all right, this needs to be more than an Instagram DM. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I started a Google form and we have about, we got a couple hundred people signed up across the country and We've held a few events and we plan to actually do more events outside of Detroit because all of our events have been here. But we have, you know, a, a good amount of people in New York and in L.A. and Atlanta and Chicago and a few others sprinkled in other places. But I had planned actually to do an event in partnership with Google Harlem um, last month. What month is it? May. Yeah. Um, so we converted that to digital and we'll be rolling that out soon. And then I plan to do an event in LA. Um, and I was deciding if I was going to do Chicago or Atlanta, but you know, and we have some more events in Detroit planned. So like, it's been interesting because obviously pivoting to digital is where we are. And um, it's very easy for me to do that. I've done that with it's IG tour, but it's also is coming at a time where like, I'm very aware that I need to take this time for myself and rest. So, you know, that was my priority. Um, mm-hmm. But we still have a lot planned because it's, it's more than just creating community for women who do this work. It's like, how can we aid in professional development and how can we invest in the next generation, be it collegiate or K-12, um, and let them know, like, you can get paid yes. on social media. You like to be on TikTok. You like, you know, you can get money for this, be it in an influencer space or as a social media manager um, and equipping them with that knowledge, but also with resources and access to to people who have capital to pay. So That's amazing. That That is amazing. I, I stand for that a thousand percent you know teaching us how to monetize off of our brand and off of our culture Mm -hmm. is so important but looking back in hindsight did you know for example you know creating creating black women do social did you know that it could turn to be this big no I really just thought I was gonna do an Instagram group (laughs) (laughs) all of the day and like we were just gonna be in there kicking and you know chatting about things because one thing that I found like when I did meet black women who did social and I had the privilege to be able to hire a black woman um, in my role at the city and when we talk sometimes we feel like we're so siloed because we're the only person in our company um, not only that looks like us um, sometimes but also that does this specific work Mm -hmm. so sometimes we feel like our challenges are our own and like by building that community we get to see that other people are dealing with these same things and you know maybe are further along in that process and have some suggestions and a solution so I didn't think it would be like a whole community organization um but once the group was made I immediately knew mm. like in making the group I didn't know but like once everybody was in there I'm like but it's it's gonna even be more than what it is now this could be big yeah absolutely and impactful more you know most importantly um when you were a little girl who inspired you um, as a little girl to get to this point now? Honestly, my dad, I'm a daddy's girl. Um, <laughs> and I just remember being like a little girl and him saying like, you know, you're Amber Lewis. You don't know what that means, but you'll know. And, you know, just telling me that I can do anything that I want to and be anything that I want to be and really instilling that confidence in me at a very young age. Um, so, you know, now I feel like I'm Amber Lewis and I can do whatever I want to do. And and I'm doing those things. And I talk to him all the time. And I know how assertive he is in, like, achieving what he wants, especially 
for his children. Um, and I think me watching him do that has has definitely like trickled down into me. And he's always like, you know, you're carrying the Lewis name, but you've surpassed, you know, what I've done and what, you know, and what we were thinking to do. And, you know, I'm just hoping that I have three little sisters that they do that same thing. And if I ever have kids, you know, they do that same thing and really just believe in their ability to be their authentic selves and do whatever they want to do. And even beyond my immediate family, like that's the whole essence of my brand of social in the city is to encourage people to be their authentic selves in all of the spaces that they occupy, um, whatever that means or looks like or feels like for them. So, mm-hmm. so having that, you know, as a young girl and, and telling your dad, you know, you are Amber, Amber Lewis and emphasizing that into you. What do you tell that young girl or, you know, middle-aged woman who are, who's mm-hmm. trying to find that confidence within them, themselves to build this brand that they want to build? I mean, I, I always tell people that you are equipped with everything you need for exactly where you are. And like, you really have to believe that. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times when people come to me for advice, they're like, well, I don't have a large following or I don't have, and they focus on what they don't have. And I'm like, well, what do you have? Like, let's, let's look at that because that's what you need to be working with. Um, when I was starting out as an influencer, I don't, I still don't have a whole bunch of followers, you know? Um, but when I was starting out, it wasn't because I had a lot of people following me. It was because the people who were following me were influenced by what I was doing. And like, that's what it is. Like we're all influencers in our own right. Somebody is doing something because we said it or we showed it or whether that's your mom or your sister or your cousin or people on social media. So it was just like, you have to shift that perspective to, trusting your ability to have what you need and then being grateful for what you do have because we could very easily I mean it's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't have you know (laughs) but like what do we have and how can we work with that to build what we see for ourselves and what we desire and what our purpose is like absolutely it's an an affirmation to me all of the time when you know you don't really know who's watching you Mm -hmm. who's paying close attention to you but they're admired by what you do. And, you know, when they finally tell you or, you know, they, they, they tell you something about yourself or something you've accomplished, it just hits hard. Yeah. You know, because it's like, oh, my God. Like you were paying attention. Right. <laughs> you were and paying also, attention to me. Sometimes you saw things that I didn't even see, which I think Come is... On now. <laughs> It's why it's so important to talk to you. I know a lot of times people are like, don't tell nobody or don't share your or don't. And it's like... That is rooted in fear and insecurity. Mm. You don't trust your ability to be the divine person or being to do what you're called to do because you're worried that somebody else is going to do. Like, come on now, Amber. Is money? It, everybody has a lane, right? There's yeah. all types of money or monetization. How, however, you want to live your purpose to be fulfilled. Everybody mm-hmm. can do it. Um, so to give back to your community or, or give back to your peers you know, or the younger ones, why not do it? Why not give that information and, and pass it along? I don't, I don't really understand that we're, you know, our, com- our community feels like we're involved in competition with each other when mm-hmm. we should be lifting. partnership. Absolutely. Partnership. Somebody can be the, doing the exact same thing as me. They're not my competitor. Mm-hmm. They're not. I'm not competing with them for anything because I don't want anything that's meant for them. And they shouldn't want anything that's meant for me. If anything, we're sharing information and tools and tactics and resources so that we all can eat. Yes. Because like, what's the point of me having this table full of food, but the person sitting next to me not eating? Come on now. Come on now. That's, and that is the purpose of this podcast, to bring, you know, different people on from different industries, you know, to speak their truth, to drop gems and, and tools and resourceful information that aspiring or established, you know, mm-hmm. CEOs or entrepreneurs can use from. So yeah. um, for you, um, what are a few tips to create dope content to catch the eye? I think when creating content, like you have to think about your brand, right? I see sometimes people creating content that's not authentic to who they are or what their brand is, but because it's trendy or you see other people doing it, um, when you create your content, 
like always think about your audience and always think about yourself. Like, how am I communicating to them? Who am I even communicating to? And why do, why do they care about what I'm saying or what this what this content is about? And then on the other side of that, it's like, why do I care about this? Like, why do I want to put out a video showing a, a day in the life and the behind the scenes of my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and really just being authentic in that. And not like, because when you're not being yourself, it shows. It looks really uncomfortable. Um, and some people might not see it, but it shows. So it's like, you may as well show up <laughs> because only you can, number one. Right. But number two, like, there's so much peace in that. Um, so being yourself, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is like, again, using what you have to create the content. I hear a lot of times too, people are like, well, I don't have a camera. You got a cell phone, use it. Get you some editing software. Ask your friends who's a photographer tips on how to edit your picture. Like do whatever you need to do with what you have. Because again, like using what you have and being grateful for what you have is how you attract more. So be yourself, use what you have. And I think too, like I was looking at my feed recently and I'm like, even like while being in quarantine, I'm like, I haven't posted a cell phone selfie in like three years. I saw that post. <laughs> and it's like, that's crazy to me. Um, Cause I think about, you know, when I first got on Instagram and it was all cell phone pictures and it put into perspective, number one, how many photo shoots I've done over the years to have this much content where I don't have to post a cell phone selfie, but also like just getting back to my roots of it. Because for me, like I don't have a camera. I don't have a professional camera. I do have an iPhone and it has good quality. So we trapping off the iPhone. (laughs) Um, We trapping off the iPhone. But also like one thing that I'm doing right now, because I do have so much content. Now, let me say I have not organized my content how I should. So I know I have content that I'm not put out yet. I just don't have it organized to know. Like I can think off the top of my head, like I've not posted this. I've not posted that. I've not posted. But organize your content as you take it as you make it as it comes it'll make your life a lot easier um and then you can plan for what you're going to post too um and a lot of my posts too go off of how I feel because that's just how I operate (laughs) I was gonna do that anyway because that's just just how I am (laughs) um but just really just do what's authentic to you don't feel like you need the best photographer in the city to to take your photos or the best videographer to do your video because somebody values that authenticity. I know a lot of people have been skeptical to post because it's like, I ain't got my hair cut or, you know, my hair, not my lashes, my nail. And it's just mm-hmm. like, none of us got that. Right. But, you know, it, it's not, I think sometimes when putting out content, we worry about what other people think too much. Like being mindful of your audience and being critical of yourself are and and what your audience might say, I think are two it's a line, it's a line in between it. They're two different things. So post, you know, post what you want to post. My my therapist um talked to me a bit about uh being scared of failure mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And you saying that, touching on that is like a stem from that. You know, because it's the what if game, you know, well, what if they don't like it? What if it doesn't, you know, get this many likes or what if it doesn't get this many shares? And it's just like, just do it. Just you do it and continue to grow from that. Continue. I went through that yesterday. (laughs) Talk about it. Um, Because I had this, I was like, oh, I want to post this picture. And then I'm like, for what? What you posting this picture for? And then I was like, I'll be talking to myself. <laughs> like, you know? And I'm like, because I want to. And I was like, so I drafted the post and I was texting my homeboy and I'm like, yeah, I was going to post this, but I don't really, I don't know. He like, do it. And I just did it. <laughs> and it did, it did what I thought it would do. Like it didn't go too crazy, but it has a decent amount of likes, but it's a bomb picture and I like it. So I posted mm. it, you know, like everything isn't always about other people and I think that's what we've turned Instagram to I know a lot of people are like I don't like Instagram like it's too much pressure and it's too much this and it's just like that's what you made of it right 
that's what you made of it. And not to to discredit the pressures of social media and personal brands and your online presence, because that's real, but it all comes back to how we perceive and translate and communicate that and how we feel about it. Like if you feel like you have to overperform to get some love on Instagram, then that's going to be your experience. And maybe, you know, you should take a step back for a while and get in tune with yourself. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that's what you're saying. Tap in. So um, you've talked a little bit about, you know, drafting your posts or laying them out um, to, to organizing your content. Are there any particular apps that you use um, to have your content ready for the week? Yeah, I don't actually plan out my content <laughs> as much as I should for myself. Um, for brands that I work with, I do. Um, so Unum is one that people use, U-N-U-M. Um, Hootsuite also. I like Hootsuite because you can post across, like you can schedule your post across platforms. Um, you know, once you once you get that, that paid version. Um, so those are two that, that I've used and that I've seen used that people really seem to enjoy and that I've enjoyed in the use of my personal brand. And I also honestly like content calendar wise, I use Google Sheets. Mm, um, okay. Really creating like a day by day, half hour increment, um, and then duplicating that per week and just inputting and embedding what content you want to post. And that's not very detailed, right? So it's like I could say at 8 30, I'm posting about posting my bravo bravo just right gotcha. um, id mm-hmm. it's not the actual picture in the caption which you could include that but for me when i do a constant calendar on like a google sheet or something like that it's really like the gist of what the post is and me knowing that this post is happening this day this time okay okay well my gen ceos if y'all heard that please take note of it um all of the good tactics that she uses um but let's take a turn a little bit so i saw your story yesterday that you named the journey, right? And you were laughing at some of the career paths that you thought were the one, quote uh-huh. unquote. Can you can you walk us through um, that time frame of experiencing, you know, all of those different career paths and how did you stay motivated to keep yourself going? Yeah, so um, number one, like I've always been social. So the essence of who social city is, it's, it's who I've always been. And my dad uses this analogy, like we're born with our suit, but we grow into it. Mm. Um, So I think that is kind of what social in the city is for me. Um, And to speak to that journey, like when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a singer. Like every time somebody asked, what do you want to be a rope? I'm like a singer. Once I was in high school, I wanted to be a writer. I loved writing. Since I knew how to write, I've been writing poetry, songs, stories, Um, just being very imaginative and translating that on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I went to college, I started off as a pre-med major. I'm not going to get into that story. But (laughs) let's just say, and and I had a Spanish minor. I knew I wanted to also study Spanish, but I hated pre-med and I was not good at it. Um, And I was just really unhappy. And I think for me, I was in one of those situations where it was like, I went with something because I knew it to be it. Right. And I think a lot of times our young people are like they see their aunts are nurses or, you know, their mama's friend is a doctor or a teacher. Yeah. And like you go with what you know mm-hmm. um, or what's pushed upon you or that. Um, and I was just really unhappy and I had to take a second to reevaluate. And like I just made a list of things that I loved to do things that I was good at and things I would do for little to no money if the economy crashed again, which here we are. (laughs) Um, And and this was my going into my junior year. So by that time, like I'm halfway through college and I had already still been doing like I I had communications roles on boards for organizations and managed social media for um, on campus organizations and planned events and done all of these things that were related to the work that I do today, but it wasn't formal. It wasn't my major. Um, it was like the extracurricular things where you can join clubs. And um, so the list was like advertising, marketing, journalism, fashion, and going into my junior year, my class is more so aligned with advertising. So I switched my major. It was the best decision. One of the best decisions I've made. I was so happy and so fulfilled. 
And it, like, I always think back to watching a Jamie Foxx show and like loving Jingles 2000. <laughs> it's so silly, but I'm like, I loved that work. Like I loved watching them work and like build these campaigns and these songs. And um, I've always known all the radio ads and the billboard slogans. And I, this is just always who I've been. So once I stepped into that lane, it was like, wow, like I'm learning more about what goes into this work. I didn't know. Even with watching Jingles to 3000, I didn't know or even put together that there were people behind that. You know, like when I'm saying this radio ad, like somebody wrote that copy, somebody wrote that script, somebody scored the music, um, somebody edited that. Like I didn't even think about the behind the scenes of what that ad was or what that marketing and campaign was. So switching into that role, it was self-fulfilling. But while switching into that role, I'm like fashion. Yes, that's what we're going to do. Global, luxury, fashion. Like, <laughs> that's where we're at with it. Because I, I love fashion, even to this day. Um, and that's just what I set out to do. It was like, you know, I had experience in events. I love doing events. But I, it was something about fashion for me in the industry that I was really compelled um, and alert to. So that's the path that I went on. I did so many fashion related things in college um and from Teen Vogue's Fashion University and getting the NPR social certificate we had a retail connect program through my college where we went to New York and visited different headquarters Burberry, Hugo Boss, Ralph Lauren, Jacques Torre Chocolatier like so many different companies um studied and I really was like set on moving to New York studied away in New York for a summer arts culture and humanity all things that I love and really just got to delve into that experience. And I spent so much time in New York in college. I was there like four times a year. Oh, wow. Um, and my uncle lived out there. So that made it a lot easier. And he also worked in fashion. Like he was the VP of merchandising for a company that I wanted to work for. He still works in fashion. He's at a different company now. But it was just like everything seemed like it was lining up. I was admitted to grad school for fashion marketing. Um and I still love the fashion industry, but I just felt so compelled, again, to stay in the city of Detroit, to be an Asian and changing the narrative here. Um, because even with me going to Michigan State, being 100 miles away, like the narrative of the city, like, was not who we were. There was, at that time, there was so much like, Detroit is a blank canvas, and like, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're not, there are people here, there are people who have been here who have been doing the work and are the the backbone of this city. Like you're not about to act like there's nothing here. And um, so I just wanted to to kind of be a conduit for people to tell their own stories um, and also get access to resources. And I was fortunate enough to land a role with the city doing just that work. And it was like, it was so crazy how that worked out because I was planning to move to New York and go to grad school. So when I decided to stay here, I didn't have a plan mm -hmm. like and I was a star student in my program like anytime I did something our uh, website had my article on it like I'm who the faculty called to talk to our board for funding like that's who so it was also like I had to put other people's perceptions and expectations for my career and for my own path to the side based on how I felt what my gut was telling me to stay here so I'm like Working, working at retail. Um, I was a, a personal stylist at BCBG, you know, and like some mm -hmm. of my peers would come up in there buying stuff and they like, and I'm like, <laughs> what's up? Yep. Right. Um, and not letting that discourage me. Mm -hmm. And even too with my parents and even my dad, who again is somebody who instilled that confidence in me. He's like, you need a real job. Um, and he's calling everybody that he knows and they're like, oh, I can get you a job here. I can get you a job there. And it's like, I don't want those jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not what I stayed here for. I'm not getting distracted. And this retail job is not going to be my life and my career, but I was still working in fashion and I enjoyed it. And like that experience of like exploring the lookbook and learning a lot about inventory and merchandising and color. Um, I, I use all of those skills in my work today. So I had to silence a lot of the external noise of what other people were saying or thinking or believing about me and the work that I, even with photo shoots, like I would be styling. I was like really doing a lot of styling at that time and creative direction for shoots. And my dad is like, 
what you doing all these shoots for? You on joke time. And so much of my work, you know, at the city and outside of the city is photo shoots. Mm -hmm. It's creative direction. It's writing the copy. It's styling myself or styling other. So it's like all of those things were part of my process. And I trusted that. And I own your alignment. Yep. Aligned for sure. You are. I I can agree with that story a thousand percent um, because I graduated from Western um, in 2017 and mm-hmm. I've worked for some huge companies and people would think I was crazy for quitting. Like I tell people I worked for the New York Knicks and they think I'm so insane for leaving that job, but I was so unhappy. Listen, Right. So unhappy. And to look at, you know, when, when you have family who think that, you know, you should be here right now, but you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? It's I I I just I feel that on another level because only you know mm-hmm. the real truth and your alignment and being able to follow that. So if anyone is you know having that same situation or going through that same journey, you know where they graduated college or they're in the process of graduating and they may feel like the journey that was supposed to be quote unquote for them mm-hmm. is not for them. Listen, go ahead and follow that gut feeling. Follow that gut feeling, you know, like for me to think, like you said, you were supposed to be in New York, but something told you to come back to Detroit. I have lived in Detroit. I'm sorry. I have lived in New York, Chicago, Atlanta within the last two years, but something kept telling me to come back here Mm -hmm. and follow my purpose and fulfill my purpose here and start that here. Um, so, So just follow your gut. Listen, because like you said, nobody, I tell my little sister this all the time. She's at state right now, going into her junior year, unsure about her major, getting input from external folks. And I'm just like, I can give you all the advice, but only you know. Only you know. Your advisors can tell you, but only your, you know, your parents. And it's not that we don't want what's best for you. So it's not that these, this external noise is not you know, sometimes it's ill-intended, but sometimes, you know, people mean well, but they just don't know. Or it's their own insecurities put yes. onto you. Even that. And even when you don't fully know, you know, because right, I, if you would have told me I'd be working in government five years ago, I'd be like, girl, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Um, but I knew where I needed to be. So like, that goes back to what you do have. Like, I do have the instinct and the desire to be in the city of Detroit. So I did. And I was gratefully, like greatly rewarded. I would not be who I am had I been anywhere else in the world doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like I knew that I needed to be here, but I didn't know what I would be doing. I didn't know where I would be doing it or who I would be doing doing it for. And I think at this point in my life, I'm in one of those transitional phases as well. Like I know who I am and what my brand is and like the work that I love, but I'm also not interested in, in being that overworker Mm -hmm. um, or somebody who goes out and and a go-getter and seeking. And I want what is for me that comes to me, that flows to me abundantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I want freedom in that. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of times we can get so caught up in the hustle and the grind and like work and like, I got to get this done. And we're really doing all that for freedom. We're doing all that for financial freedom, from freedom from our past, from freedom from whatever it is, like whatever type of freedom you're seeking. Um, But that real freedom comes from what's internal. Mm -hmm. So like returning to that and like knowing that I don't have to overwork or over pitch or overseek things that are for me because. What's for you is what's for you. And it's coming. It's going (laughs) to come and I don't have to do all that extra stuff. So when I say post for you or how you feel, it's because you're rooted in that freedom of yourself. And that confidence of yourself and that piece of where you are and what you have. So like all of this is a part of that alignment and being in tune. It's not just things you've heard before and, you know, and you might've heard it, but it's like, 
it all has a reason and all has a purpose and it shines through every aspect and avenue of life. So, yeah. So, so you talked a little bit about, you know, knowing where you want to go. What is the importance of manifesting or writing down the goals or your short-term goals, long-term goals um, to get to that point of where you want to go? I think it's really important to write things down, Um, but also not to be super committed and married to what you write because like you need a clear, for me, I like to write things down to get it out of my head because so many things come into this space and I'm like, yes, Yes. I cannot afford to be scared (laughs) or for my mind to be occupied with all of these things. So I started like an idea log. I have so many journals that are dedicated to so many different things, but one of them is just ideas all the ideas I have live in this place. Um, You know, and I also have more things that are more detailed, like where I live right now, I manifested this space. I actually have a note on my nightstand of like, I want a place with hardwood floors and brand new appliances and floor to ceiling window. Like all of the things that I said I wanted on that list are what I have. So manifestation is real, but I also think we need to believe in the ability that we don't know what's best for us all the time, right? Like what we think we want and what we think we desire is not always what we need Mm -hmm. and trusting that what we need will be what's for us, right? So like, again, I desired, you you know, you think about when you were a kid and you're like, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to (laughs) be, it was something very foolish and outlandish that, you know, maybe some people have, but it's like, that's not, like, I couldn't ask, I'm 28. I couldn't see myself at this age being married with three kids, but I'm pretty sure my younger self was like, by the time I'm an age, I have a house, have a million dollars. Right. And it's like, girl, bye. (laughs) But being okay with that, like, you know, that was something that I was manifesting for myself as a child. But now that I have a better insight and vision to to the world around me and also myself, I'm like, that's not what I need right now. <laughs> like I couldn't listen, I'm not I'm not that selfless yet mm. to be dedicating as much time and, and energy. That's okay. That's and okay. it's okay. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this time and the fact that I am not that selfless yet because my life would be very different. If I was during this quarantine, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know that I would have that ability to do what I need for myself because I would be focused on the other people that I have to share my space with. And I'm going to share my space with nobody. So if I don't feel like doing the dishes right now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the, the arguments can get like that. Like, I had an argument about uh, dish detergent. It's like, why are we arguing about dish detergent? For what? Because ain't nothing else to do. <laughs> um <laughs> but so I do believe in the power of manifestation, but I actually watched a sermon on Sunday from Mike's High Transformation Church. And the topic was literally rip up your list. Mm. Um, and it it was really just talking about trusting that God or whoever your higher power is, has the best plan for you. So when we talk about, when I talk about freedom, that's where the freedom comes from. It comes from faith. Um, so manifest with a grain of salt. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I definitely love it. Uh, what were some specific skills that you seen in yourself early on that confirmed you can do what you're doing now? You know, and how did you sort out those skills? Um, whew, what a question. So the ability to be social in general is a skill that I knew at a very early age because I would get like all A's and then on my progress reports and report cards, like she talks too much, (laughs) you know, in, in, in the education system, like that was looked at as a flaw. It's like, or you could just figure out how to enhance that skill or support it in ways that are healthy can grow, but you know, what's done is done. Yes. Um, Even with writing, like I said earlier, as soon as I learned how to write, I was writing songs. I remember being like very young, like, running over to my mom and my grandma, like, do y'all want to hear my song? I just wrote, <laughs> like singing in my song. Um, and I think like, those are some things from when I was a child. 
But as I got older and I got more involved with different activities, there was definitely a lot of leadership. I was involved in a lot of leadership from since I was a kid, honestly, even I modeled my first campaign. Was I my first published campaign when I was in high school? Um, so I just, again, with to that point of alignment, so many of the things that I'm doing now, I've been doing it or I started it when I was young um, and just got more experience and then got more visibility. So then more people want to book me for it. Well, since you you received so much experience from it, what do you tell that person who's between the ages of 18 and 30 who's, Mm -hmm. you know, looking for those answers? One thing I always tell people is to look at your network. A lot of the campaigns that I did starting out was with my friends. Um, A lot of the work that I do today is with my friends. And because of my friends, like, you have a business let me help you with the, the rollout. You have a business. Let me do your social media. Hmm. You have a bit like, how can you support the people in your network um, with what you have? Again, just not like I started out pitching the Nike. <laughs> so I went right, right to Florida <laughs> and we did our thing. You know, I, and, and I know Issa Rae, a couple I was just about to say that. I was just about to, but go ahead, take the lead on that. No, go ahead. No, go, you got it. You got (laughs) the floor. You got it. You know, you have to to network across and horizontally and again, use what you have right now. So you might not have the CMO at Nike's contact, but your homeboy got a brand. Mm -hmm. You know, so how are you building your, not only your portfolio, but your skill set? You want to do these things, but have you done them? So doing that work with the people around you or even for yourself. I know I had my first like job in advertising and social media. I think um, it was actually with a company in Eastern Market. It was a black owned ice cream shop, Mootown. And my dad was like friends with the owner. And he's, he tells everybody like, my baby do. And I'm like, oh, I need that. So they hired me and they called me like their advertising executive. I'm a college student, um, but my first job in the industry, my job title was advertising executive. And I was really managing their social media, building campaigns, doing ad buying. But I was getting that experience. And again, like using my network and the network of my peers, but also being vocal about what I need or what I want to do because Otherwise, nobody knows and they don't know how they can support me or how mm. to connect me or, you know, so it's, it's, it's a matter of not being afraid to be vocal about what you what you're doing, what you want to do and what you need, but also um, removing your ego to be able to do that for people who are already in your space, because a lot of times that's what gets in the way. Mm, getting in your own way, but talking about or putting yourself out there, most yeah. importantly, um, to let people know that you do this or you have this skill. Listen, you got to let people know, or even that you want to do. I remember I was in college um, and I had met like this rapper and I'm like, oh, I'm a publicist. I do PR. I was in college. Um, and he's like, oh, word, I need one of them. Like, give me your car. And I'm like, mind you, my car is that student at Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. But I was writing press releases. I was doing all this thing. So I just needed the opportunity to apply that skill set. And if I can, I'm going to do it. I'm going to mm. learn how to do it, you know. Um, so a lot of what I've done has has come from me believing in my ability to do it and then putting myself out there to do it. Even with the playlist princess, like, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I don't have software and hardware to to you know do what DJs do but I get booked in lineups with DJs and it came because I did an event where I played a playlist for four hours and people had a good time and then I just got booked from that because I put and it was a series where it was really intentional for people who weren't DJs to come into this space and showcase their their interest in music so people could get to know them in that way um and the first person who booked me, Kwaku from Black Metro Eats, he was like, yo, he had been booking DJ for this event. And he's like, you should DJ. I'm like, you know I'm not a DJ. He's like, just make your playlist. It's going to be fine. 
packed it out. You had a good time. L Club called me the next day. I'm like, hey, I'm not a DJ. I'm not a table. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll be there. They're like, all right, so you want the gig or not? I'm like, well, all right, bet. So it's like, and I was still very nervous and it was still very new. And when I first started Play With Princess, my process was very different. Now I do have software where I can fix it um, on my phone, but it's still not as advanced. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. but I still believe I can do it. I had a gig today. Like, what about it? And... Get to the bag. That makes all the difference. You be, believe in your ability, you putting yourself out there, you're, you doing it, you learning and being consistent and persistent. Yes. You know, believing in yourself is an aspect of investing in yourself, which leads to the next question of, you know, how important is it to invest into your brand and what are the different types of ways you can invest in your brand? That's a good question. I mean, it's, if you want to build, if you want to maintain, you want to grow, you have to invest. You have to invest. I think a lot of times people look for external investment, but it's like, what are you putting into your brand to showcase that you number one value it? Whether that's your time, your work, um, those are investments. Those are investments. Of yeah. course, your money is an investment. Um, but what are you doing for yourself and for your company to even want to encourage or inspire external investment if you need it? Um, I'll use Lauren Konecolo, Torque and Tequila as an example. She completely invests in her brand. She's her sole investor in the marketing and the partnerships and booking venues and booking talent. Like she's the one doing all this work and, She's built up a brand and a platform now that not only has gone nationwide, but has a loyal following because of the investment of time, of energy, of resources that she's put into it. And people can you get out that. what you put in. Mm-hmm. So people, people can see the the quality, the hard work, the time, the hours, you know, that you've put into um, a venture. And it shows and it'll repay itself for sure. But it takes money to make money. And even if people can't see it, you still have to do that work. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of times people seek external validity for the work that they're doing. And it's not about that. Whether one person or a hundred people or a million tune into your podcast, you still need to produce a podcast. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's not always about what people see or perceive you as because what you communicate then to yourself of how you work and how you invest is like, how am I loving on myself? How am I loving on my business? How am I caring for myself? What behaviors am I communicating are okay to do to me from me? Mm -hmm. And then that translate externally to how you accept and do for other people. So like that labor of love is real. And again, translate to all of these different places and aspects of your life so if you're not investing not only in your work your brand your business but in yourself it might not show to other people but it will show to you in your relationships with other people in your relationships with other businesses because you haven't communicated that value of I need to do this for me or for my brand or for my business so it gives you that confidence. Is that what you're saying? It gives you that confidence. It gives you that discipline. And it also kind of creates this notion of like, this is the this is the standard. If I'm doing this for myself, anybody who wants to come into this space also has to meet me here or higher. And if you're not investing in yourself and loving on yourself and your brand or your business, you don't have that standard. One of the, the main questions that I have, and I know this is really important, you touched on it, um, is being a recovering workaholic um, Ooh, in, the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning of the episode, you know, and there's so many discussions about the importance of mental health and wellness. Yeah. You know, how do you maintain your work-life balance? You know, and what is that constant feeling to make sure that you're not overwhelmed with your work? I'm honestly figuring it out. Um, I think I am figuring out because I was not maintaining it. Once our quarantine hit, like I was working 
10, 12 hour work days, not eating. And it was very easy to do because I'm in one space. It was it was much easier for me to, to detach from my nine to five when I had a gig after work, which again is more work. Or if I had something to do at a specific time with me being at home, like it was a challenge to establish those boundaries and those barriers. And now I'm in a position where I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm figuring out what work-life balance is. And I've, you know, listened to different things and I've heard people say there is no work-life balance. Um, There is no blah, 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 blah. But figuring out what works for me is what I'm doing right now. And the ways that I've committed to that balance, if you will, um, it's just through different disciplines of myself. So every day when I wake up, I have things that I do mm-hmm. before I go into maybe doing nothing or cleaning my <laughs> house. Um, or, you know, I've been committed to learning different things that during this time, but there are foundational things that I need to do for me. I need to do my devotionals. I need to do my meditation. I need to do my morning workout. Um, I'm also intermittent fasting. So like, being disciplined in myself there. I'm just really like instilling more discipline and commitment to myself in different ways in order to instill that that uh, balance, but also build up that, that standard and those boundaries. Um, so a lot of what I was saying, I'm saying it because I'm living it and mm-hmm. I'm doing it, not because it's, it's downful, you know right. what I mean? Like I'm living these things and I know the importance of them because I've burned out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been in positions where I didn't value my own time. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not experienced enough to to give advice on like establishing work-life balance because it's something that I'm still dealing with. But what I will say is, again, you have to prioritize yourself because without you, none of that stuff matters. None of it exists. Um, For sure. What about having that balance or, or creating creating that that level of respect where you're not so consumed mm-hmm. um, with other people's urgency, sense of urgency, if that makes sense. Ooh, that's a question. And a word <laughs> and something that I've had to deal with, because there's a phrase where it's like, um, your something is not my emergency. Like your urgency is not my emergency. Your lack of planning so and so and so and for me sometimes that's very hard because I'm an empath like I'm very empathetic to what people go through and what they're dealing with and what their needs are um but I also have to realize that my needs have to come first because again I watched a live uh last night from the courageous coach she is from Detroit but she's out in Texas and she's like you have to give from your overflow you have to serve from your overflow um, because that's how you know you're giving your best. Mm. And I don't want to show up in spaces where I'm not fully showing up how I should be because that's a discredit to myself and to the people around me. Um, So knowing that like as a tool and saying no for other people's urgency, like I get this is important for you, but I don't have it. I don't have it to give right now. <laughs> like, and you got to be real with yourself. Absolutely. People will have to respect you more for that. You yeah. Know, if they don't, then. They're not your people. Yeah, for real. And that's just, that's really what it comes down to. They're not your people if they can't respect that. If they don't respect that. And like learning who, are, like who's not your people is so important because you'll find yourself making people who are not your people's uh, urgency is your priority, and it's like these people don't even care about you. Woo! Like let's let's get into it or not, but <laughs> you have to to be honest with yourself about what you have capacity for, not just with doing the work, but like mentally, emotionally. Can you show up mm-hmm. for this urgency? And if you can't, that's okay. It's it okay. Okay. It is okay because and, and go ahead. Don't feel bad about it. Cause we tend to feel bad. Like, dang, I really wanted to be there for, I really should have as a friend, well, you know, like whatever that relation is. And it's like, if you don't have it to give, you don't have it to give. And that is okay. It's okay. 
What are, you know, some resources you rely on to sharpen your skills, your skills and grow creatively? You know, like some great books, seminars, courses that you've taken, et cetera. Yeah. Um, right now, there are a lot of free resources for creatives and entrepreneurs because of the state of emergency. <laughs> um, I've been doing a bit more reading and, and watching of Deepak Chopra's videos. He's big in the wellness space and like really pushing the body mind being one and how everything kind of impacts our body and our mind and our being and why we have to be so rooted in the wellness of that as a unit versus just like focusing on the physical or only focusing on the mental and looking at that as one whole being. I've also been doing a lot of decluttering. So I've been into the Marie Kondo, watching her Netflix show and like taking notes from there. I've been taking some art courses. Um, the MoMA is doing free art courses on Coursera. So there's like an abstract art course. Um, they have a, a whole bunch of free courses on Coursera re- related to different topics, but those are just the ones that I chose. And then I'm learning, I'm in three language courses on Duolingo. <laughs> so I'm in Spanish. I studied Spanish my whole life. So that's kind of more so a refresher and just making sure I remember stuff. But I studied away in Italy, so I took an Italian class. So I'm just getting back into that and then also learning French. That's amazing. Um, there have been so many live and Zoom events with people. Gems. That we, you know, otherwise wouldn't have access to. So I've definitely been tapping in and tuning in to the ones that I think are related um, to, you know, how I'm trying to grow personally and professionally. Some of them have been hit. Some of them have been misses, but I've showed up for them all to decide what is what. Um, YouTube, university, like literally you can learn how to do everything on YouTube. So I YouTube a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, Those are kind of, that's my toolkit right now. So closing out, um, I have to ask this question to almost everybody. What do you want your legacy to embody? Um, I really want when people to look back on my life and when I look back on my life, for me to feel like I tried all the things that I wanted to try. I've done the things that I wanted to do. I was successful because I tried. Um, and even furthermore, because I encouraged people to try. Mm-hmm. Um, with me and the essence of my brand and my being, you know, having that desire to show up as my authentic self, that takes a lot of effort and courage to do for a lot of people, but you got to try. And then once you try it, it's like, why were you ever even doing anything else? <laughs> um, so I just, I just want my legacy to be that I, I did because I tried and I encouraged people to do because they tried and they felt that confidence. There it is. There it is, folks. Well, we have Amber Lewis. I thank you so much for stopping in and dropping all of the gems and providing the resources and the tools that you've experienced. Where can everyone find you? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at social, the letter in the city. Again, that's social in the city. And I have some other pages but they're in my bio, so tap in. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Tap in. Now, I wanna, I wanted to uh, leave everyone with this. Give me two things that everyone should do to be successful mentally throughout the the rest of this quarantine. Um, number one, take time for yourself. Spend time with yourself. Get to know yourself. Love on yourself. Really do some self-evaluation if you have the ability to have some extra time. I know everybody doesn't have that, and it's a privilege to be able to have that. But if you do, take some time for yourself because we can grow and come out of this stronger and better if we do that work. Um, number two is is really be honest about that time. Because it's one thing to acknowledge, but it's another thing to accept and do the work of that acknowledgement. So really use this time, if you can, to be selfish in whatever way that is. If that's taking more showers a day (laughs) than you normally would, you know, like whatever capacity you have to give to yourself, just really 
really take some time for yourself and extend yourself grace because it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Like I have been enjoying it, but it, it's hard and I'm not going to act like it's not. I want re- I want people to really think about number two for real. Mm-hmm. Um, because number two is really important and that can look like not answering your phone. Honey, turn it off. You know, turn it off. Turn off your notifications. Put it on do not disturb for a couple of days. For months. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie to you. Man, and I don't, I don't blame, about it. I don't blame you. You have those certain people that's in your favorites and just keep it moving. My emergency <laughs> contacts are in my favorites and that's it. That's how it should be at times. <laughs> and that's okay, you know, to have that time to yourself. Like you said, be selfish at this time. Take advantage of the time that you have to yourself because I'm sure, you know, once this time is over, it won't be like that. So really take in those gems that she just dropped and those key tools that she had. So thank you to my fellow Gen CEOs for listening. I am Bree Goodall, your host. You are now tapped into Gen CEO. <laughs>